Welcome, Upright Citizens. We are here back for another episode of our bass-centric podcast, and it's kind of built into the name that we talk about a lot of upright bass. Today, we're here to show a little bit of love to the electric bass. Give it up. And specifically, electric bass in the tradition. So we're here to talk about Bob Cranshaw today, the great, illustrious Bob Cranshaw. And uh, my name's Bob Debu. With here, with me here is Ruben Rogers. How's it going, Ruben? I'm doing good. It's good to be here to give, show some bass love to the legend himself, Mr. Bob Cranshaw. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So by all accounts, Bob Cranshaw was just an incredible human being. And there's, you know, that's through stories that we've heard, interviews, and we all we have a couple personal stories here as well that we're going to share on this episode today. But uh, we're here to talk about again the electric bass and the tradition. You know, like Bob Cranshaw started off um, his recorded body of work. We can hear a lot of amazing uh, upright bass playing, uh, double bass playing. You know what I mean? He, he was on a ton of Blue Note records. Mm-hmm. I know you've got some of your favorites, Ruben, that you that you like, but oh, yeah. from Nat Adderley to Gene Ammons to, you know, like just runs the gamut, J.J. Johnson, yep. Donald Byrd, yep. just so many, Dexter Gordon, you know, yep. like so many recordings that he's on. Yeah, he's, Joe Henderson, yep. I mean, he was and a, Urge. First, you know? call, first call bassist for uh, uh, yeah. uh, tons of legendary Blue Note sessions. And, yeah. you know, the more names like Grant Green, you mentioned, you know, yeah. you mentioned uh, Joe Henderson. Uh, mm. Of course, his long, long, long relationship with the great Sonny Rollins. That you yeah. know, uh, I mean, I think it was maybe a fifty-year relationship they had playing together. I mean, so incredible. His, you know, he's he's uh, really had quite uh, you know the body of work. You know, and we had to, you know, show his transition to the electric yeah. bass because it's, 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 it's kind of mind-blowing how he did so much work on the upright bass and then switched to upright electric bass and did just as much, right? So for those mm-hmm. unaware too, that's what we're here to talk about okay. is that Bob Cranshaw towards, you know, like at some point in his career really shifted towards electric bass. Mm-hmm. He might not have been exclusively playing electric bass all of the time, right. but a huge amount of his body work at a certain part mm-hmm. from a certain point begun on the electric bass. And I just, um, you know, I, I personally really, really grateful in 1994 in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. got to see the great Sonny Rollins with Bob Cranshaw. I don't remember anybody else that was on the gig, but I was just drawn to Bob Cranshaw nice. up there on the pork chop playing along with this, you know, legend. It's Sonny Rollins. I mean, I, I just still I get chills just thinking about being at that festival. Right. But anyways, we are here, of course, to talk about, you know, there's the tradition that's set up for the upright bass, you know, like the the sound, the vibe that we hear in those Blue Note recordings that we can hear the great Bob Cranshaw on. And we're, you know, we're kind of going back and forth, like talking about the discussion of the sound, the feel, the role of the bass, the tradition of the bass that um, is that transferring over because there's other other bassists mm-hmm. that play both the upright and the electric bass. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always do that same type of thing right you know I, you know without mentioning anybody in particular you know there are upright bass players that don't necessarily play the upright bass like in the tradition no. that we're talking about with bob right. so but we do hear that a lot with uh, a lot of his electric bass recordings right. and let's just get into it one of my favorite recordings mm-hmm. um my favorite Horace Silver recordings, nonetheless, is uh, In Pursuit of the 27th Man. Just a fantastic album. Uh, you know, you were mentioning, too, when we were talking about this, the great Michael Brecker is on this album, just tearing things up. Wearing it out. But from a bass perspective, too, 
There's a lot of bass on this yeah. album. Mm-hmm. And it's just so solid. It is very present in the mix, of course. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to it a little bit. There we go. All right, mm-hmm. let's 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 bring Mr. Cranshaw into the mix here. We're gonna listen to Gregory is here mm-hmm. uh, from Horace Silvers in pursuit of the twenty seventh man. Let's just get a taste of Bob Cranshaw here. Mm-hmm. Hold on. <laughs> But good job. You did a good job. How, how about that? I mean, there's so, there's so many things I want to say about that from the bass perspective. But Ruben, what what are you what are you hearing? I what mean, just hearing? that solid, that just that feel, that you know, pocket, is so so yes. wonderful. And it's you know, he's staying in a certain kind of lane. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's. I mean, he probably would play it quite similar to he would play on the upright bass for the most that's part. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like to me, he would he would probably be playing very similarly you know mm-hmm. um link the notes foundational mm-hmm. the attack you yeah like we don't hear a very aggressive like you can obviously get a lot of different tones on the electric bass mm-hmm. but that sounds very specific mm-hmm. to you know like not i don't know is he emulating an upright bass i don't i, I don't think so i think yeah. it's its own thing i think it's its own thing i think you know more tracks we hear it might might sound a little mm-hmm. bit more like he's emulating uh the upright bass a little bit more but yeah i think somewhere in the middle Maybe somewhere in the middle. That's what For I would sure. say. You know. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, shoot, give a shout out to Michael Brecker. Oh my goodness, what a Ooh, sound! I know. And phrasing and oh, <laughs> just right out of the gate too. Yeah. And that that, that comping that horror solo. Sorry, I know this is a bass centric podcast, but we got to show love. Where it's so good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The the whole album is just. I already said it, but I'm gonna say it again. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much. You know, there's so much bounce in that too. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned there's like. It's obviously not like a straight ahead, like walking or mm-hmm. two feel type of swing or anything like that, but there's a lot of swing in there. Yeah. 
There is. You know, there's there a, there's a, just a lot of vibe in that. So well, I mean, you know, I, there's here. some there's some interviews and uh, a lot of uh, different things online that I was look, reading about. I mean, I've seen some interviews. I've even talked to to Bob a little bit. But there's something mm-hmm. I did find from a Jazz Time interview with him. Uh, I forget what year this is, but uh, this kind of sums up, I think, what we hear in his playing. Uh, it says, mm-hmm. you know. His quote is, I play the electric bass just like I play the string string bass. I mean, there's a certain mm-hmm. characteristic to the electric, but I play it like an upright because I'm not mm-hmm. really a funk player. I'm still a jazz bassist. So in order to mm-hmm. play with the people I'm used to playing with, I have to get a sound that is close to the sound of like the string bass because this is what these people are used to hearing, to mm-hmm. feeling a certain thing from the string bass. This is what the mm-hmm. gig calls for. That's me saying. <laughs> but that's yeah. why with someone who normally wouldn't allow electric bass anywhere, near the bandstand like a milt jackson hello mm. there'd be times when i offered him a choice as to whether he wanted the added cartage and expense of the <laughs> upright and he'd then say that's okay deacon you just bring along your pork chop all right <laughs> <laughs> so i mean oh, yeah. so i mean that's hey trust trust me i get it i mean both For you sure. and i get man you know it's so much easier to travel with with upright bass, especially in those days, right? Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. to, sorry to travel with electric bass. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. and wow, I mean, it, that he had a choice, you know, and that he, and the people that he played with trusted in his musical prowess that it was like, it's going to be okay either way, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think well, that's he great. did say earlier in that same interview too, a bass is a bass. Right. Is a bass. He can, and we just kind of talked about that too, how mm-hmm. he probably would have made similar musical choices. Yes on either instrument no matter so what right? why not no matter why not what. just put the one on your on your shoulder hello you know and walk down hello. the street to the gate hello <laughs> <laughs> well let's I play some it. more music um some yes, more please. bob cranshaw we're going to go to an album called old flames it's a sonny mm. rollins album um in uh made in 93 recorded in 1993 it uh features uh, the great tommy flanagan on a uh, piano mm. and and the, the great Jack Tijanet on drums, um, and of course Sonny Rollins on saxophone. Uh, I I I picked this this track because I don't know I it I like I like the the, the song and the long head, but I also mm. can imagine it being played on the upright bass. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like he's playing it like he would probably play on the upright, but the the sound of it of the bass I think changes the whole. Uh, you know, feeling maybe of the song and what it might sound like, you know, uh, if it, you know, I don't know. It's just, that's sure. the way I, I, I perceive it. You tell me when you, we finish if you think the same thing, but. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, this is called Slime, sorry, Times Slimes. Okay. I know, I was trying to say this out loud, I can't get it. <laughs> Times Slimes. <laughs> Times Slimes. <laughs> All right, off of the Old Flames, Sonny Rollins' Old Flames album recorded in 1993.
beautiful. Love it. Yeah. So swinging. There's so much in that. So much. Just that little clip that you played, man. We could dissect that for <laughs> a long time. A long time. The first thing that came to my mind was the, you know, the bass trope, the the root five nine. You know how that that's kind of a thing, you know, mm. like that's a bass player line that just kind of you think uh, I can't help it. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's like a bass player line that pops up all the time. And I love I don't know why that just speaks to me. It obviously speaks to a lot of people. But when he creeps into that walking yeah. you know, when we finally get, you know, it's like, oh, is he going to stay in two? He's going to walk. You have some quarter note triplets in there. You got some triplet drops. Mm-hmm. You got everything. He was very, uh, very articulate. Right. There's no doubt about how. And I think I get the vibe that he really appreciated being heard to add in all of those details. Do you know what I mean? Because I remember in another, um, it might have been the same Jazz Times interview mm. where he was saying, you know, it's just such a drag to walk into a club and not be able to hear the upright bass. Yes, yes. And he also mentioned a piano too. But, uh, you know, I'm sh- that must have been a, a big deciding factor yeah. towards the shift of going to the electric bass. I mean, but everything you, you that figure, he just put in there was... Yeah, you figure around the time that he did, I think for a lot of people, a lot of artists... You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you figure that the, the electric bass didn't really come into prominence or like, I, uh, didn't start to be extremely popular until like the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. and then it just, you know, be, I think also the, that it can, it, it was sonically was so present and you can hear it, people gravitated towards it. And also at the same time, you know, pickups were, you know, really coming into you know, prominence. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, I was just going to add in during those times, it wasn't electric. It was Fender bass. There you go. Sorry. Fender bass, right? Get it right. <laughs> get it right. That's the whole thing. Because that was the first bass, right? Fender it. was the first bass, right? Yeah. First electric Yeah, yeah, bass. totally. But you just hear that referred to, especially by the old heads. Oh, you got the Fender bass. You know? And um, and to point that out, I think he might be playing a Fender bass there still. He's definitely still playing a four string bass on that mm, track. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listened to it extensively, you know, before and now and I, more with that in mind um and mm. but it, it's really deep and rich when he goes low yeah. you know what i mean and it's very yeah. long notes and he's intentional about his two two feel and like going back and forth right. and the way him and jack are just like playing with it with the time is it's just so so uh beautiful you know i love it definitely i love it but anything we would talk about you know characteristics of a a great upright bass sound and feel a hundred percent present in that recording yeah you know True. 100%. Clear attack, you know, long decays. Right. Very, you know, just swinging from front to back. So are you? do you want to share your personal story that you, of, of, oh, of meeting man, Mr. I, Cranshaw? I mean, you told me. I Maybe you can to. tell upright citizens. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. So it was a, a very pivotal moment in my life um, when I got to meet the, the great Bob Cranshaw. Um, I made my very first trip to New York mm. to do a college visit. I was interested in going to the new school, I think, at the time. So we went up and did a... Anyways, that's not the point. The point is that <laughs> me and my father uh, made our way to the Blue Note mm. in New York to see the great Ray Brown. Mm. He had two nights. We had tickets to both nights to see... First night was with Dee Dee Bridgewater, and the second night was with Diana Krall. Mm. Kareem Wiggins was in the band, and uh, the great Jeffrey Keezer was on piano, I recall distinctly. And we were really lucky to have a table right up front. Mm-hmm. And so the next night, um, after that second night that we saw the shows, the following night, there were uh, Oscar Peterson, Milt Jackson, uh, and Ray were in town to record the Very Tall Band reunion album. Oh, wow. Live at the Blue Note. Wow. And, um, and so sitting at the same table, 
was the great Milt Jackson sitting at our table. Like, mm. here's me, like 18, 17, 18 year old Bob with my dad mm. from the suburbs of Fort Worth, Texas, you know, like mm. nothing city related whatsoever. I'm already in awe of the city, uh, but sitting there next to Milt Jackson and his wife and at the table as well as Bob Cranshaw and his wife. Nice. And, um, and everybody was just so nice to me. Milt was very, very cool, of course, too. A little less uh, speak, you know, talking to me and things like that. But perhaps because Bob Cranshaw was like all over me. He was like, you, you're a bass player, aren't you? Mm. You know, he came up, he started talking to me. Right. Uh, he's like, why, you know, you're here to see Ray Brown, aren't you? Right. And I was like, yes, sir, absolutely. And he's like, I'm a bass player, too. And he introduced himself as if like we were just meeting and he you know nobody would knew, know anything about this man right and um he was just so gracious to me like zero pretentiousness um you know i have the the playbill from the night where bob signed it ray also signed it milt jackson also signed it but i have bob cranshaw's signature and underneath that of course is his phone number All of that. underneath that is his address and underneath that says call me tomorrow <laughs> you know what i mean because we were talking about schools and he was like are you in the union yeah, uh, what are your plans to do when you come to New York? You know, um, yeah, he was about his business. I mean, you know, this is the same uh, man. I mean, he was he was first call basis for many things, especially when he started playing electric bass. I mean, he, yeah. we should definitely say he had like what I don't know, a thirty year run, a forty year run on Sesame Street, where he was the the main bassist. Mm -hmm. You know, from you know, um, uh, he was Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night well, Live. Apparently. He was the first. Mm -hmm. You know, and he did a lot of non jazz albums too right you know he he, he was he and he probably did countless jingles and tv shows things he did all no things that we about. just don't know know about his yeah i think his his um adopted kind of son was tom barney the great tom barney who's the, mm. the number one call basis even to this day uh especially back then he was session bassist and but what i remember of bob i had I, also had some times where I was around him and he was always very warm and I, I do remember many times at least a couple of times where he was you, he every chance he had a chance to talk to young musicians especially in a group about the mm -hmm. union and how thing you know you need to get in the real union you do this I mean by the time I, I think the mid 90s to the early 2000s rolled around being part of union usually most musicians if you weren't playing on Broadway or doing more TV-like things or whatever, which a lot of that business had kind of uh, not died out, but was, was only select people did it because it wasn't as much work. But Bob was still mm. preaching the same things. You should do this. You should do this. But it was really just coming from like, I love y'all and this is what worked for me. I want y'all to, to get ahead and make a good living also. So you should do these kind of things. So I remember, you know, but every, I think everyone always... So thought you know it was a very endearing took it as an endearing thing and and he learned from you know like the, there's a story that that uh when he first came to new york that judge uh, milt hinton you know okay. uh saw him on the street and it was in his head he was had a raggedy case uh carrying around his base and really? he and he and milt walked up to him introduced himself and was like hey how you doing okay let's go Let's go to this this music store around the corner and went and bought him a a, a, a case, you know no what way. I mean? Bought him an upright wow. case and like that was his introduction to Milton and, and, and like the scene and he always felt just those that kind of stuff, you know. He wanted to carry that that same kind of tradition and and that caring attitude. That's who he was, I think, in general. But but wow. he 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 learned from others and you know that's a that's a great lesson.
you know, uh, you know, we got to look out for each other out here, you know, especially the bass players. Hello. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. What a great story, man. Oh, uh, wow. man. Good. But anyway, so, yeah, I think we'll go ahead and, and play one more track. Uh, yeah. Uh, another Sonny Rollins track, actually, since, you know, we did say that he had a long and fruitful career with, with, with Sonny. Um, this is uh, a track from... Uh, what year was this? This is 1995, actually. This is a, a, mm. a record called Sonny Rollins Plus Three. And the song mm. we're going to hear is They Say It's Wonderful. And this is a straight down the, straight down the pipe, four on the floor, mm -hmm. boom. You know, you can hear... Y'all know this song. Yeah, yeah, you could hear the beautiful, beautiful walking lines, you know, just what the upright bass, you know, stands for. And what you can hear, you, you don't hear it all the time, but it, it's a five-string bass he's playing now i think his sound is right. evolving a little bit more and and um uh it's it's it's, it's very very prominent in the mix also uh by the way this is actually jack dejanet again which i'm realizing jack played a lot they played a lot together wow <laughs> yeah wow, <laughs> not, cool. not just with sonny i it's, it's interesting i i'm going through some of his archives you're like wow they played quite some especially when he played electric Man, we bass. gotta dig in some more yeah and cool. um also, Stephen Scott on on piano. The great young. This great. is young Stephen Scott on piano. Um, mm. Actually, the rest of the the, the record. The, this there's only two tracks on this record that these these uh, musicians played. The others were Tommy Flanagan and Alan Foster. But who was the mm. mainstay? Bob Cranshaw, of course. Um, so go. anyway, thanks Bob for going on this Bob Cranshaw journey, and we're gonna hey. go out with this Thank one. Thank you, Ruben. All right. Yes. Thank you, Bob Cranshaw. Thank you. Thank you, Upright Citizens, for coming on this journey with us also. All right? We see you on the next one. Peace. Thank you.